Welcome, weary travelers, to the great big universe of Excess Press. This is a weekly podcast to bring you the news of the Disney theme parks and resorts. Witness for yourselves the wonders of Excess Press. And now, let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Excess Press. My name is Matt, and I'm the host of this Disney theme parks news podcast. And this is episode 155, where we once again bring you another interview with a cast member. Welcome back for part two of this episode with Carly. If you didn't listen to last week's interview, uh, we had Carly here talking about her time working at Walt Disney World. She has been working there for a very long time, or she was working there for a long time, and she still has more to offer and to share. So uh, we're going to get into the second part of her story today. So if you haven't listened to the first part, I highly recommend going back and taking a listen to what she had to share with us last week. So, all right, well, why don't we just jump into it and begin this episode of the Excess Press Podcast. And I want to welcome back to the show, Carly. Carly, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. Good, good. How's everything been since the last time I spoke? Everything has been good. You know, down here in Florida, things are opening slowly. Um, We haven't really changed much personally, but, you know, it's nice to see um, that you can go to the beach and maybe we'll do that next weekend and keep our social distance, but... Yeah, things are getting a little better. Fingers still crossed and trying to stay positive, but things are good. No, for sure. Yeah, from what I've been seeing is that Florida's slowly reopening, which personally, I don't know how I feel about states reopening so soon. But um, yeah, I see that they're they're becoming a little bit lax down there. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but still trying to stay, stay safe and have masks and hand sanitizer and practice all of those those safety you know, recommendations. But anyway, that's boring stuff. (laughs) No, for sure. Yeah, no, agreed. We're gonna we're gonna get to the good stuff now, which is part two of your episode. We talked a lot uh, last week about your journey, um, growing up pretty much living at Disney, uh, and then how you kind of 
grew into becoming a, a cast member over there um, since they Disney was they were like, OK, she's here enough. Let's just uh, hire her. So we did that. Um, no, that was cool. Learning about the program that um, you were able to do with your mom. How it was like that kind of parent? Uh, it, what was that? What was the program called again? I already I'm already blanking on the name. Yeah, no worries. It was very creative and innovative. And it was called the 15 year old program. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool learning about that and kind of how you got started and how it just evolved into so many different things. Um, but now we are on part two and you kind of started making your move to um, Hollywood Studios. So kind of talk about the transition from move because you were mostly in Magic Kingdom, you were you were mentioning, uh-huh. correct? Yes. So when I first got into entertainment, I spent a lot of time at the Magic Kingdom. Um, I was part-time for most of it because, like I mentioned in the part one of this, um, I went to school for theater at UCF. So I was, you know, in school, but also working part-time, but really full-time hours at Disney performing. So um, once I went full-time and I had more capacity to learn more roles and really, you know, dedicate all of my time to work, which I did. I think I worked up to six to seven days per week. A lot, a lot of opportunities started to unfold for me in the department, which was really nice. And I think I had mentioned that I was invited to a Fantasmic audition. Um, and so after that audition, I um, ended up getting cast in that show for pretty much the rest of the duration. Um, so that was in 2002. Um, no, I'm sorry, 2005. So I spent from about 2005 to 2010, nine, somewhere in there. Sorry, the dates are all very blurry because it's so long ago, but somewhere <laughs> from 2004, good. 2005 to 2009, 2010, I was at studios um, pretty much five days a week performing in Fantasmic and then also performing in Disney Stars in Motor Cars, which was the only parade that was there. Um, while I was there until the very, very end when Block Party Bash um, replaced it. And um, I only, I did do Block Party Bash, but I only did it a few times before I I moved into a, um, I guess, a more um, like office and technical role where I sat at a desk all day, which that didn't last very long. But um, yeah, so okay. I did, I spent the majority of my second half of my career with Disney at the Hollywood Studios, which is what I call home. And what where all my fondest memories as a performer happened. All right, excellent. So yeah, we're gonna probably spend most of the time there today. Well, definitely the rest of the time there. Um, so let's kind of talk about Fantasmic. So I like Fantasmic is my second favorite Disney nighttime show. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Disneyland and have seen World of Color, but to me that's the best one. Um, I haven't. I did. I've been to Disneyland a few times, and I did get lucky enough to watch Fantasmic the last time I was out there. Um, and it was good, but I kind of like ours better, which I'm probably very glad. <laughs> I think I like the fact that the one at Disney World, you can sit down, it's a stadium, and then um, at Disneyland, you know, you just kind of have to stand, and it was hard to see, and so it was more of a logistic preference for the Walt Disney World show. I think the quality is probably equally good at both parks for sure for sure yeah well highly recommend world of color over at california adventure next time you get a chance to go Noted. Um, yeah definitely check it out Uh, yeah but yeah phantasmic is just definitely one of my all-time favorite shows we got lucky 2013 they brought the glow with the show ears over there and we were there for the first performance we did a dining package so we got like front row center they gave us free glow with the show ears it was 
it was just a really awesome experience because they were filming that night, so they needed a lot of people with ears. So, awesome. yeah, I just I just have fun fond memories of it. Um, I remember, yeah, two thousand four. So I only went to Walt Disney World once uh, in the two thousands, and that was in two thousand four. And we we saw Fantasmic for the first time, and when I saw it, I'm like, this show is just amazing. And then this the next time I went to Disney was two thousand thirteen, like I just said, and saw it again. It was still just as good. So I can't wait to kind of dive into. Maybe some of the 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 background or the back a little bit of the backstage stuff that you kind of did. It's some of the training that you had to go through. So why don't you kind of walk us through since you were there five days a week? Kind of like go through like what was a day like? Well, first maybe the training going into um, talk about the training going into learning all the what you had to do for Fantasmic and what essentially your role was. Okay, um, so when I got the call for the audition. Um, they kind of let you do a bunch of different pieces of the show. Um, and then that's how they end up selecting the people that are going to learn the show. And then once you end up in rehearsal, um, you know, it just depends on what they call them tracks. So the difference, you know, you see like the Pocahontas scene, if you will, where the different, um, this is just the first one that came to mind. But of course, if you're familiar with the show, there's lots of different scenes. There's, you know, the animal scene and the princess scene and what have you, but, We'll just use the Pocahontas scene as an example. Um, you know, they have the the Indians who they come in the canoes across the water. So that's like a, you know, each person in that canoe is on a different track. Like maybe it's track 15 or track 18. And within each track you do different, you don't just do one thing. So maybe you are in the opening scene as a flower petal. And then the next scene you're going to jump in a canoe and you're going to steer the boat across the water. And then maybe the next scene... Um, you're dancing as a, you know, one of the monkeys on the barges. And then maybe in the finale, um, you are, you know, on the big, the finale boat, you know, with the banner. So, I mean, everything is organized and you don't do just one thing. You do multiple things throughout the show. And so the rehearsal is divided up in that way. So you'll learn scene by scene. Um, and the cool thing about rehearsals at Disney is they're mostly done um, when the parks are closed. So, um, a lot of overnights. Um, so that was kind of fun because it's, of course it's very tiring, but it kind of creates a very unspeakable bond with you and your castmates because you're up, you know, you're checking in at 9 PM and you're with each other until four in the morning. And then, you know, a lot of times we would go to Denny's or, you know, a IHOP or wherever, um, you know, so that was kind of fun because you just became very close with people. And of course, rehearsals have a lot of downtime as well. So you're really bonding with the people um, in your, in your um, whatever, you know, your class, if you will. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's yeah. not the right word. But yeah, so that part was fun. So, so real uh -huh. quick, so real quick about that. So, I mean, Fantasmic, it's not every night, right? Is Fantasmic every night or no? So when I was doing Fantasmic, it was every night. And then they opened a show called Frozen. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Frozen. But um, <laughs> so when they opened the Frozen single, oh, actually, that's a lie. Let me reverse that or rewind that. Um, not Frozen, the American Idol Experience. Oh, uh, yeah. Before Frozen. Sorry. Um, so when the American Idol Experience opened, that finale of that show was at seven or eight or something like that. So it conflicted with the Fantasmic Showtime. And in order to strategically have the seats filled at American Idol, they decided to make Fantasmic um, like only a couple nights a week on the West Coast, at least. I think on the, or I mean on the East Coast. I think in California that it's never been every night. 
And okay. Disney World, it, it did used to be every night, and I think it has gone back to that. Yeah. So once American Idol ended, they didn't need that 7 p.m. prime time. They didn't have those competing um, shows anymore. So now they do have it every night at Disney World. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, my my mind is foggy, and I I wish I could just like check a schedule right now. I know, me too. Uh, <laughs> my old planners out so I can get this stuff. Straight. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, I can't remember if it was every night. So I, I what what I was getting at before was, so what were like, did you do like the nighttime show and then you went to rehearsals? Like, how did that work when you have rehearsals and shows on the same day? Absolutely, yeah. So the show would happen, and you know there'd be a nine or an 8 p.m. show or what have you. And then that cast would go home because those people were obviously already performing in the show and didn't need rehearsals. Um, and then the rehearsal crew would show up and that's why it would be in the middle of the night. You know, you would be learning stuff and you would do your rehearsals in the middle of the night a lot of times. So you had, so there were, there were different crews for the show. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, so, um, Okay, so I, cats, I guess in different crews, yeah. Okay, so they're different casts and different crews for night, so you guys can rehearse and perform uh, separately. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. gotcha. All right, cool. So that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, what were so kind of talk about maybe like those tracks that you were on because I would have never thought that you would have to do so many uh, at once. So just talk maybe a little bit about the, the different tracks, the rehearsals for it, the training, and maybe like what was your favorite one that you like to perform the most? Yeah, I'll try to be careful. I don't want to kill any magic here. But um, so I was at Fantasmic for a long time, and I really felt that was my, um, my home stage. And so I did end up learning um, all of the tracks that I could possibly learn. Um, and something that is called standby. So they have three standbys and they have like a small, medium, um, and tall is what they call it, just based off your height range. So like someone, it's legitimately like everything is based off height ranges. And so I was a, a medium standby and I learned everything in my height range um, in the show. So I knew all the tracks that I could possibly jump into. So I could jump into any of the boats and steer them. Any of the, I, mean, I did perform in, you know, the, in the animal scene, the barges that came across that the, the dancing monkeys, I did all of those tracks. Um, the Pocahontas scene, I did everything in the Pocahontas scene that I could um, in terms of, um, you know, like the the Indians and also the um, the, uh, the Ratcliffe and the, the different um, British people mm-hmm. that were up on stage doing the dig and dig and dig or whatever that track was. Um, I did the puppeteers for all the different animals that were in the show. Um, and then I did perform, you know, I was friends with some of the performers on, on the barges during the princess scene as well, which was really nice. Um, and that was, of course, those were my favorites. Who, sure. who are you yeah. mostly friends okay. with? Um, I really um, enjoyed dancing with um, my friend, the beast. I'll say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun, fun. Uh, Cool. So, I mean, what was, um, I mean, you work there five days a week. I mean, what was just, can you just kind of walk through maybe like a day of rehearsals of just kind of go into like, okay, you get there, we did this, we did that. Like, did you have, um, 
what, what is it like dress rehearsals where you're in full costume and just talk a little bit about the, like the day of. Yeah. So, I mean, the rehearsal is definitely an organized process and you would learn kind of the eight counts that you needed to learn for your role first. And that wasn't necessarily done overnight. You could do that in broad daylight because it would be in a, um, like a big dance room per se. And then you would have blocking. So you would come in and you would do stuff just blocking out like where you need to go and for safety measures. And then you would have full blown dress rehearsals as well. Um, and a lot of times those were approval nights. So um, a lot of people learned the shows. Um, and then of course, in order to perform in the show, you had to be approved in the show. So um, I would say 90% of the time everyone was approved and there was no issues, but kind of a little bit of a, a pressure there from a performer perspective to, to not mess up, right? And to make sure you were hitting all the marks that you were taught. Um, and it just depended on the role that you were learning. I mean, for some performers, not for myself particularly, I never did anything with a lift, but there were lifts involved, a lot of safety. I would definitely say that it was, Fantasmic is a very dangerous show. There's a lot of elements, there's fire, there's water, there's pyro, there's um, lifts going up and down, there's boats, there's barges. Yeah, it uh, seems like it's one of the most technical shows that they do. Um, extremely uh, technical. Yeah, yeah, like there's just there's so many moving parts. There's so many scenes in the in the show that just require different things. And yeah, when you're talking about going through the tracks of work or the tra the scenes, and you being in a lot of them, and that just sounds very stressful. <laughs> just going through yeah. all of that. So yeah, and sometimes as a standby, you would. Um... So on nights that I wasn't in an actual track, I was just a standby. Um, me and the other standbys would go out to the, the island, we would call it, and kind of just be on standby. And if somebody got injured mid-show, you would jump in and finish out that person's piece if you could um, to avoid, you know, having to end the show early. Or if, you know, someone got fireworks in their eye, you would, you know, help them out. It didn't even have to be a, a, an injury injury, so to speak, where they were, you know, out for the for a duration of time. Maybe just something happened where they couldn't continue that night, you could jump in and help as well. But yeah, I would say, you know, rehearsals just depended. They were fun. Um, a lot of good memories. I went through several rehearsals um, for that show, but yeah. Awesome. Um, man, I just had a question in my head and why am I blanking? Um, oh, so, well, I just want to hear like maybe looking back, I mean, cause you, 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 you did it for, what would you say, like maybe four years you were saying you worked on the show? I would say like four and a half, five. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I'm sure you have plenty of stories from from that. So are there any like a, a few that are just memorable to you from working on the show, um, whether it was during rehearsal or during show night? Like what's, what's something that stands out to you? So I do have a few, but I'll share one that um, is really funny and I still talk about it to this day. So... Perfect. <laughs> um, backstage, we had, you know, where we would all hang out before a show. And of course, there's communication going on, like 10 minutes to show, like start getting your stuff together, five minutes to show, you better be on the island. And so backstage, you know, um, it was an actual island, like there was a full moat in the back. And so there was a bridge, um, like a draw, uh, not a drawbridge, but like a bridge that would co go up and down. So yeah, I guess that's a drawbridge. And so you needed to be across that bridge and on the island five minutes to show. Because if you weren't, that bridge would be lifted and you, you would just be stuck. You couldn't get uh -oh, okay. online or get online, get on the island. So I remember one night um, 
we were, me and my friend, we were sitting and talking and we were in a different uh, trailer and backstage. And for some reason, the speakers weren't working in that trailer. And we, I mean, we had our outfits on, we were ready to go, but we were just having a conversation. And all of a sudden we heard the, um, the show started. And we we just looked at each other, like our eyes went wide and our mouths dropped and we sprinted from there. And it wasn't, you know, it's like across the parking lot almost a little bit. And we just sprinted and we barely, barely made it. I mean, there was a good chance we were going to get in big trouble, like, because we would have had to have a boat, you know, escort us across. And we were in the opening scene. So we literally, like, we made it on stage with milliseconds to go so oh, so you meaning like you got to the bridge and over the bridge before it went up yes oh Barely, wow. like by because you know there's open like the music starts but the actual you know they play like the cartoon or whatever yeah. the water and all that stuff and so i mean we made it by the you know barely made it over there that's hilarious i'm just uh i'm imagining you and your friend now like (laughs) like in a movie just running sprinting but the drawbridge actually going up and you jumping over the broad bridge onto the other side that Um, so disney is really into safety and if we had tried that i don't know if that would have got over well no probably not (laughs) (laughs) we would have been in a bit of trouble for sure Oh, that's uh, that's yeah, that's actually really funny. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that the it's it's an actual moat back there though. That's uh, yeah, it goes all the way around. Mm-hmm. Wow, what, like island. was it? What like what's the reasoning for that? Just because of the big? Because I know what, what's the big uh, boat, the steamboat that comes out. The steamboat, yeah. So okay. the steamboat goes all the way around. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, that's what I figured. Okay. It doesn't reverse. It just goes in that one direction over and over again, kind of on a so. On a loop. So without maybe spoiling too much backstage magic, but is, I mean, I, I assume you're on the island then for the rest of the, the time, correct? You are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Until okay. the show is over, yeah. Okay, so they have they have all of the, like, the different dresses that you have, or not dresses, but, like, the costumes that you have uh, for the, the yeah. rest of the show. Okay. Yeah. All the props, everything is very strategically housed um, on the stage. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's awesome. That's uh, that's something new to me. So, uh, cool. So, I mean, that was yeah, that was a great story. So, I want to hear. I, I want to hear some more. What else? What else you got for us? Um, okay, so I'll share one more about Fantasmic backstage stuff. I mean, probably someone could write a book, but Disney probably wouldn't allow that. But <laughs> I will share this one because you could easily go on YouTube and Google it, and someone would have footage of this. So, um, but it's different from my shoes because I actually lived in it. So. Um, during the Pocahontas scene I mentioned earlier, there's the canoes that go um, in front of the moat during um, that scene, and there's four people in each canoe, and those canoes are not on tracks. Those canoes are very much steered by the current of the water and the motor and by the um, the oar that the person in the back is steering with an oar. Oh, interesting. And- I Sorry, I always imagined that they were on tracks. Oh, no. Those are very much manually. Oh, wow. Okay across that um that moat and i will tell you it is one of the hardest things to steer until you get used to it of course once you learn it it's like riding a bike but so the rehearsals for that are hilarious because you see a lot of people <laughs> doing donuts in the middle of the water and um during show um sometimes people have been known to get stuck on the wall or to do a donut or just a lot of those canoes you could probably just like youtube canoes stuck during fantasmic and um Someone has to go out and rescue them, like a little tugboat or whatever. But that part was always 
stressful. And I remember if you made it across, every time I docked a boat, I was like, I made it. Like, that was probably one of the most stressful parts of that show for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, rowing and definitely steering a canoe is is not easy. I'm not, I'm going to say I'm not a master at, at rowing. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's got to be really stressful, uh, especially if it's like you've been rehearsing it and it's your first time actually doing it in the show. I feel like that's got to be very nerve wracking. <laughs> very, yes, very nerve wracking. So. So that makes me think of another question. Like, what what do you think was the hardest part to do uh, in that show? Um, that's a good question. I really think it's the canoe. I mean, everything else, you know, it had its its nuances. You know, things were heavy. Like some of those puppets were heavy, but um, the hardest part of the show was definitely steering those canoes during the Pocahontas scene. Everything else was really a lot of fun. I mean, we just, we really enjoyed it. And it's, you know, the soundtrack is so good. And, you know, it's just, it's just a great show. All right, cool. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds like it'd definitely be the hardest, at least for me. So uh, I think we're going to kind of wrap up the uh, Fantasmic stuff, because I know we have a bunch of other things we want to try to get to. Um, Any, any last uh, things you want to share about Fantasmic before we move on? No, I mean, I guess a good kind of transition from Fantasmic is, you know, you can kind of ask me about a day in the life of the rehearsals, but just a day in the life of being the performer at studios was um, really just, I hate to use the word, it's so cheesy, uh, no pun intended, Mr. Mouse, but, um, <laughs> you know, he would, a lot of us would do the, the parade in the afternoon, and then we would do a little bit of um, afternoon sets out by the hat, which is obviously no longer there and hadn't been there for quite a while. But back in my day, there was a big, big sorcerer Mickey hat in the middle of Disney's Hollywood studios um, before going to show. So that was a little bit of what our day was like. And yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And then if you weren't doing the parade, there were some other elements at Disney's Hollywood studios that are also no longer there. So um, for a while, the Power Rangers were there. I don't know if you remember that. They, I feel like, I don't know when they started, they were there, but I remember them being there when I was like really little because I was like the biggest fan of Power Rangers. So, um, but yeah, so no, I, I definitely do remember them being there. Yeah, so that was fun. I got to be friends with um, the Power Rangers and that was kind of a little show where you would come out on a car and um, the Power Rangers would wave to everybody and then do a little morph before going and signing autograph books and so forth. And then um, returning to their headquarters, if you will, in quotations. But so that was a really fun experience too. And yeah. Did you, did you, was there any like training for that specifically? Like, Um, yeah. yeah. Did you need to know more martial arts? No martial arts, but I do remember doing like drills in a parking lot. So that was kind of funny and boots. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Any any fun, any fun any fun stories from the, the Power Ranger side? Um, you know what that one, you know that was just a good time. Like I don't really have anything embarrassing that happened during that time when I was friends with them. But it was just it was a really cool um, kind of niche fan group. Um, people got really excited to meet the Power Rangers, so that was fun to be a part of that. Gotcha. Okay, cool. 
So, so I I know that you did a little bit of uh, some Star Wars stuff as well. So, kind of go into uh, talking about that and how that came to be. Yeah. So. Again, this is so funny because I feel like everything I'm saying in this interview, it's like, they don't do this anymore. They don't do it anymore. This is well, gone. Like, I'm well, just aging myself. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that's why everyone loves Disney so much is because that they're always changing. And like like Walt oh. said about Disneyland a long time ago is that this, it'll never be finished. It'll never be complete. It's just going to be changing all the time. So, um, and I, I think that's why I love visiting every, like every, I usually go like every year, every two years. Uh, and it's always great because there's something new to go back. So, like, next time I go, I'm going to be able to go on Rise of the Resistance for the first time. It's uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, I haven't done that yet. The the Runaway Railway I haven't done yet. So I got two two great rides that I get to look forward to. So, um, yeah. but yeah, sorry, go on. I uh, interrupted. No, that's, that's right. I mean, everything is always changing. And so for a while, I don't know how many years they ran it. I personally was involved for two years, 2008 and 2009. Um, but um, they used to do something called Star Wars Weekends at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And it was like mid, last week of May, all of June and part of July. And it ran Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And it was a huge fan experience. They had celebrities from the Star Wars franchise come in and do meet and greets. So you could actually meet, you know, um, I don't, I don't know the biggest star that came, but I know the person that played Darth Maul came all the time. They had Ray Park. Is his name. Yeah, Ray Park. Yep, exactly. So the Chewbacca performer, they had all of those um, celebrities come and do meet and greets and sign their headshots and so forth. And then they also flooded the park with Star Wars characters um, for entertainment purposes. And they did a show called, um, uh, what's the name of the show? Hoopla? If you look, if you Googled Star Wars Hoopla, you would find it. And it was a spoof. And it was where um, all the, um, it was like dance off with the Star Wars stars one year. And it changed every oh, year. Oh, hyper, hyperspace Hoopla? Hyperspace Hoopla. Thank you. Exactly. Um, and so that was really fun. That was probably one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to participate in. Oh, this is like a, a dance off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, my goodness. So, um, the year that I um, enjoyed the most was the year that the girls, so Queen Amidala, Zam Wessel, uh, Princess Leia, um, who else was in that? Two other, I can't remember, but um, they did the Wannabe by Spice Girls, never. Oh, but no. they never won because, of course, um, Chewbacca or, the, or Darth Vader, they always took the cake. So they always won that competition, but... It wasn't rigged, I can tell you that. They always let the crowd vote via their their noise and the claps that they had for each performance. So that was kind of cool. It was a legit little um, dance-off. But the dances were choreographed, of course. But the, uh, the votes uh, were real. That's crazy. I want to have to watch one of these old ones because I. it just seems so odd that Disney would do something like this, mixing like Star Wars with a real life universe song. It seems like a little off the page from, from Disney in my opinion. Um, but it seems, it sounds really entertaining and I definitely want to check this out. <laughs> it is, it is funny. Um, a lot of, it is contentious. Some star Wars fans were not fans of fans of it and, um, did not appreciate it. And it did get a little carried away 
Um, the years after I left, they moved it to a bigger stage. It got a little more raunchy, in my opinion, and it did end. Of, it did eventually go away, and um, I think it went away when Star Wars was uh, bought. Uh, Disney acquired the Star Wars rights. I don't know. I'm not a legal person. I don't know exactly all the details, but something along those lines happened, and so there hasn't been a Star Wars weekend since then. And Star Wars has just become more of a, you know, with the rise of the resistance and the whole new Star Wars land, they don't really need a weekend anymore. It's just become more of a staple element in the parks. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, so like, how did you get started with, like, the, the Star Wars weekends? Like, how did you get involved? Did you have to go through, um, like, another interview or um, audition? audition yeah. Okay. So everything in entertainment is audition-based. So... They do specialty auditions year-round for different things, whether it be for the holidays or, at the time, Star Wars weekends. Um, <clears throat> there was always special opportunities to go and audition. Um, and so that's just how that came to be, and I went to an audition and um, ended up getting to perform and made some good friends along the way. I made a lot of really good friends through that experience. Um, and yeah, I got to be evil for the first time. So I was on the dark side, if you will. And uh, that was really cool to walk around with a pistol at Disney World and scare people. <laughs> Not something you would uh, expect to be doing. But yeah. So so I'm a, I'm a huge I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I already know who you were friends <laughs> friends with. Friends so with, yes. so tell tell the audience who uh, you were friends with. Yeah. So um, very random uh, episode two and tried to kill Queen Amidala but friends with Azam Wessel so Azam is a very obscure um, persona in the Star Wars galaxy but yeah she was a good friend of mine for a couple years yeah this this is a kind of a character that was only in at least its background was only in episode two which happens to be my favorite <laughs> prequel movie uh, I, love, I love episode two um but yeah, I just uh, seeing the the photo was just of, of of you being friends with with Zam was just really cool and uh, that that was awesome and kind of really nerded out. So um, yeah, any, any... And Zam is ready for COVID, right? She's got her uh, face mask on. She is, yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, any any fun stories uh, from the the Star Wars weekends that you, you could share? I know you had a lot of fun at the Hoopla, but just maybe interactions with guests that you had. You know, the coolest thing about Star Wars weekends is it really brought out fans, which, you know, you have Disney fans and people that love Disney. But when you have something so specific, it brings out a different group of people who, you know, a lot of them will come every weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, um, and they would really get involved. And um, I think that was the most fun. Just the interactions were so different. Um and it was just a really fun, like, celebrity-filled weekend every weekend. Um, every uh, Sunday night when it ended, the whole cast and crew would get together and celebrate Sunday night. And so that was something that was really fun and memorable. And it just felt like a family. So I think that was the coolest part. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to go to the one of the Star Wars weekends, but... Uh, I don't think they've had one since maybe like 2015, I think, was the last one, um, which is kind of a shame because, yeah, I, I wish they could bring that back. But uh, they've a little bit focused on some other Star Wars stuff now. So, um, 
that's okay. That's all good. So, um, cool. Well, any any other stories uh, that you'd like to share from that? Because I I think you said you were also work. Uh, you also did some stuff with the lights, motor, action. Um, wait, no, it wasn't the the, the no. show. It was the parade stuff, right? Parade, yeah. Lights, motors, action. I think was uh, like a uh, race car yeah. type yeah. stunt show. So definitely didn't have anything to do with that. But okay. um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I can barely parallel park. So that is not something that I'm <laughs> familiar with. Um, no, I think that I don't think I am um, trying to think. They did the parade, so stars and motor cars parade. So that was fun. I did do some dancing in that. I think I sent you the picture for the first post of um, being one of the aerial attendants, so one of the dancers that danced in front of Ariel's car um, for that parade, which is really fun. And um, and then Block Party came about, and so that's kind of where my crew came to an end. You know, it ended at Block Party uh, Bash. So uh, they decided to, and Block Party Bash was actually at Disneyland for a long time. Um, and then they moved that parade over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, and they sent Disney Stars and Motor Cars over to Disneyland Paris. So they do kind of shift these shows and parades around where they can. Um, and so when we acquired uh, Block Party Bash, that was a huge transi- transition because um, it was just very intense. It was a um, much more involved show. Um, we really didn't have a lot of room for it at Disney's Hollywood Studios. The streets were very narrow for that, but somehow it... Uh, it came to be and it was quite successful. I thought it was a fun show to perform in. I performed in the monsters unit as one of the dancers. Uh, so that was a, that, that was, was a fun. Pixar show, right? Yep. It was the Pixar parade. So, okay. and I was a, a dancer and then did the jump roping routine, which was really fun. Uh, you can watch that stuff on YouTube all day long. It's got quite a cult following for a block party bash, but then I only performed in that show a couple of times before, uh, transferring out you know I was about 26 27 when I left the department and I just felt it was time for me to pursue you know a different life and I had had my fun I did it for a lot of years but you know I just felt a family life calling and wanted something else professionally so I made the the hard decision to pack up and move away and start you know career number two so no, I think uh, I think I mean I think that makes sense. You kind of get to a point uh, in your life where you kind of start thinking about things and okay, what's what do you think is best for me? And hey, I mean, you had a phenomenal run over at Disney. Oh yeah, <laughs> I had a great a great ride, a great run, uh, no regrets. And you know, people often ask, you know, would you do it again? Would you go back? And my response is always the same. You know, you can't trap lightning in a bottle. And that's what it would be for me, you know? So I could never go back and do it again. I just treasure it for exactly what it was. And it was amazing. And I'm forever grateful for everything it gave to me. Friends, experiences, uh, and the whole shebang. That's that's great. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. And uh, just, uh, again, I'm just jealous of everything that you had to do with uh, growing <laughs> up in <laughs> Disney. Sorry, say that again? I said, no, no, don't be jealous. <laughs> it was very... Uh, Unique. We'll say that it was a unique experience for, for sure. Yeah. So, so kind of looking back, um, like, are there any kind of lasting memories that that you want to share uh, as we kind of come to uh, a close on on this uh, kind of two part series that we did? Like, what what are any any last things that you want to uh, discuss with us? 
I mean, I guess just to close it out nicely with a bow on it, it was my formative years. I was at Disney from age 15 to 27-ish, and I did a lot of growing up, and I made a lot of mistakes. But the beautiful thing about that company is everything I did had a family uh, feeling to it. And to this day, I'm still friends with the people that I worked with at Disney World. We still hang out on the weekends. We still talk. We're still Facebook friends. Um, I learned so many lessons there. And I continue to take you know, the philosophy of the Disney company and the brand with me wherever I go. And I really value storytelling now and I really value you know customer service I am a very I am very much a customer service snob <laughs> just having been spoiled by that company um, safety all of those things I don't know I just still forever be ingrained in me um, just because I was there you know from for such a long time during such an important time in my life and yeah yeah. I, it is not beyond me. I know how lucky I am and how cool what I got to do was. So I don't take it for granted. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah, Disney just instills such good values. Uh, and I, I every people always talk, talk about how everything they learn at Disney, they take with them um, to other jobs, no matter what it is. Um, and yeah, I think the customer service thing is definitely huge. Um, but I mean, that's awesome. That's great. Um, and it, it's good that you have those memories and you still have your friends with you. And I know you're still close to Disney once again, um, that you you were talking about last week. You visit uh, probably almost every weekend. Um, and soon yeah, you'll... I'm on the other side now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soon you'll be getting back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. So, um, but cool. Yeah, Carly, this was, this was awesome. Um, before we kind of wrap things up, uh, uh, was there anything you wanted to plug on the show before we go out? Because I know you were kind of mentioning something to me. Yes. yes, I am so glad you asked. I do want to say one thing. So outside of all this Disney stuff, um, I ended up becoming a runner after my second child was born. And I love running. I never loved running. But after my second child, it was just the release I needed for my mental health and for my physical health to get out there and get on the pavement. And so... To challenge myself, I ended up uh, training for a half marathon, which turned into a full marathon. And my first marathon ever, I completed, lo and behold, the Walt Disney World Marathon this year. So I did that. It was awesome. I loved Congrats, it. That's amazing. Thought, Thank you. <laughs> I will be signing up for the Dopey uh, Challenge. So if anyone is planning to be at the Dopey Challenge in 2021, COVID willing, um, I will be there again to try and do that challenge. But before that, I am running the Chicago Marathon in October, and um, I am raising money to do so because I am not fast enough to qualify for it. And I am raising money for the charity Cystic Fibrosis. And if anyone is not sure what Cystic Fibrosis is, it's a, a respiratory genetic disorder that is um, uh, my cousin had, and she ended up losing her life after a double lung transplant to it at the age 35. So I am running in her honor. Her name was Erin. And she was always a big fan of Disney and a big fan of runs and organized so many different like local 5Ks and was always trying to get people aware of CF. So if anyone is interested in helping me get to Chicago, I think I only need a couple hundred bucks to reach my goal and get there. Um, 
I have the link on my Instagram. I don't know if you want to just put it in the show notes or if it's okay if I yeah no definitely yeah that's what I was gonna say. Make sure you send over that link, and I'm gonna put it in in the show notes, and I'll be sure to share that out as well for sure. Yeah, you you can find me at how dare you um, on Instagram. So it's how dairy like the dairy industry because I'm dairy free, which is like a different conversation for a different day and then you so instead of how dare you it's at how dare you cool yeah yeah i'll link link that as as well um but no definitely that's great go it goes for a great cause and uh i i think that's that's awesome what you're doing and i mean i definitely wish you the best of your training uh for the the future dopey because that is not an easy task um (laughs) Personally, we'll never do it, um, but I, from hearing and just reading what others say, yeah, it is, it is challenging. So, um, yes, it is a little crazy, but I'm, I'm gonna do it because why not? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, sounds good. Um, well, Carly, this has been just a phenomenal, um, just time talking with you and learning about your extensive Disney career. So, I really appreciate you just coming on the show and uh, giving your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun and therapeutic to uh, to relive again. So, good time. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. No problem. And, uh... All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Carly, thanks again for coming on the show. It's such a pleasure having you on these past two episodes that share your stories of you walking, working over at the Walt Disney Company. So uh, if you are a previous cast member and you would like to be on a future episode of the show, just reach out to me, shoot me an email or DM me on Instagram at Excess Press Podcast, and we'd love to get you on a future episode and hear your stories. All right, well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast. You could do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or however you listen to podcasts. And if you can, please leave a five-star review. It'll really help out the show. You can find all of our episodes at excesspresspodcast.com. You could also follow me on social media, like I said, at Instagram on ex- at excesspresspodcasts. You could reach out to me if you would like to be on an episode or shoot me an email over at matt at excesspresspodcast.com. You could also follow my other podcast that I do, What'd You Think? Uh, hopefully you guys listened to the episode that I put onto this feed earlier this week or last week. Uh, for the Star Wars special. Hopefully you enjoyed that. We'd love to know what you guys thought. But yeah, so all right. Well, thanks for tuning in and for your support of the show. This is Matt from the XS Press Podcast signing off. Until next time, travelers. We hope to see you next week. And remember to seize the future with excess. Bon voyage.